What's going on, Badger fans? Welcome to another episode of Lockdown Badgers. Really do appreciate everybody taking the time out of their day to do this. We got we got recruiting to talk about. Derek Jensen committed. We got John Garcia Jr. on to break it down, plus some big-time receiver targets. All that and more on today's Lockdown Badgers. Let's go. You are Locked On Badgers, your daily podcast on the Wisconsin Badgers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to Lockdown Badgers, making this one of your first listens every single day. We got John Garcia Jr. on, Lockdown's recruiting insider. Uh, John, as always, my friend, thank you for jumping on the show. Absolutely. Thank you for having me, Ryan. Pleasure to be here. So since we last talked, uh, a big in-state offensive lineman pop for Wisconsin, Derek Jensen, 6'6". I've seen him listed everywhere from 280 to 320. His Twitter <laughs> says 310, so that's what I'm going to go with. Yeah. Um, 6'6", 310, offensive lineman out of Arrowhead. What what is this commitment for you? What did you like about his film? Well, look, in-state kids are, are important. Um, even if, as you want to go more broad and national, got to take care of home first. And we've talked about this class of 24 in the state of Wisconsin. Pretty good, especially relative to most years. And it seems like most of the talent is along the offensive line. So to grab another one, I, I think, is really important. Uh, for the Badgers. Uh, and, and yeah, he's fun. He's fun on tape. Jensen, He's he's got a, a dual threat ability. And we don't talk about that enough with O-Lyman. But you usually, in, in smaller towns especially, you're coming from a very specific style of offense. And usually it's run heavy, right? Especially if you've got a lot of beef on your roster. So, you know, you see him dominant as a run blocker and you sort of expect it, especially with that frame. But this offense that he's working in is, is is multiple. So there are pass protection samples here. My favorite cut of him was actually a zone blocking pass protection rep where the defensive end and tackle stunted against him and he had to bump one and trade him off in order to get that second rusher coming from the inside. So it showed the combination of a great kick slide awareness and still some aggression to help out his guard with that first wave of contact before going deeper and, and catching that second pass rusher. So um, I really like kind of the balanced nature of his game. Make no mistake. He's more comfortable in the run blocking game. He can get to the second level moves better laterally than you would expect for somebody at 300 pounds. And there's some grit, you know, he wants to sort of bury you he even, in pass protection, he's got some some upper body strength and movements that gets the defender on the ground, even when he's pass setting, which is atypical of what we get for most even power five offensive line recruits. So could be over aggressive at times, but no, no worries there. You can dial that back. But he also does show some restraint in that regard, particularly highlighted by that that rep I was talking about where, where he passed off a stunt that was really designed to trick him because if you're over aggressive what do you do flash the defender across his face and make him chase with the other guy coming around for an easy sack but you know he jensen was able to chip him pass him off and sit back and collect that that second pass rusher with relative ease on top of it so there's a lot to like here about the floor and then technically look six 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 seven you're gonna have to lower that pad level especially in pass protection uh that's just something across the board for taller offensive linemen when they transition from high school to college um but but it's a lot of technical small things like that in terms of what you're looking for going forward from this prospect but the foundation the floor is really strong here and that frame is just something you can't teach yeah and it, it i like that you hit on the the technique portion of it because that's one of the first things i talked about when he first committed i said he's a 
he's pretty high. Like he's got to get a little better, but he's also blocking six to 230 yeah. pound yeah. defensive ends, right? Like it, some of that is just going to come naturally. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the way you said, you know, carries it well, moves well. A lot of high school kids, and I want to get into this in a little bit with Garrett Sexton, who we're going to talk about later in the show, mm-hmm. but weight and, and um, how they're going to carry it is a big deal for offensive linemen. It's hard to project that. He seems like he carries the weight really well for a high school kid that's already over 300. Right. So if we're believing the Twitter bio, then he's carrying 300 extremely well, well more than 300 pounds, extremely well. Uh, and he's got the frame to maybe even carry a little bit more. Not not that you would throw a bunch more on him, uh, but he is carrying it well at this point. And yeah, the movement skills aren't the issue. I think his footwork and, and maybe the efficiency within the movement skills could could use some work and fine tuning, but the actual effort and, and the frequency with which he moves is, is really solid. Again, he gets to the second level with relative ease. They even use him as a lead blocker on a few bubble screens where you're asking him as a tackle, mostly right tackle, to bubble out and go grab a secondary player. Not something you're going to ask a lot of high school 300-pounders to go do, but there are some samples of him doing it relatively well, which means you got to cover ground and get out there but before the ball is released, and that's just a catch-and-throw type of play. So I, I do like that foundation for him. Even if he does carry a, a few more pounds, I think it'll be well distributed, and, and he'll be able to operate with that. Uh, even in this type of offense, that's going to be a little bit more geared towards lengthier, slimmer O-lineman, certainly compared to the conventional thought of a Big Ten or especially a Wisconsin offensive lineman in, in, in an offense of yesteryear. Yeah, I always want to ask you this question. We always do generally when somebody commits. He's a, a high three-star player, and I think as fans, we we get a little too hung up on a high three versus a low four. There's really not a lot of separation there, in my opinion, mm-hmm. a lot of times. But what do you think he he's missing from a, an industry consensus to be that four-star offensive tackle? Well, look, we know the geography is playing a part here. Uh, I hate to keep bringing it up, but that's just what it is at this point. How much in-person evaluation has been done relative to Jensen compared to some of these other offensive tackles in, in Texas and Florida and California in particular. I think that will correct itself as we go forward. It's still April. You know, there's a long way to go before those final January rankings sort of lock in and, and solidify uh, across the, the recruiting uh, industry. But, you know, I think that's that's step one. Step two, yeah, he, he does leave a little bit to be desired on tape, just a little bit. Technically, as you mentioned, the pad level, I think the efficiency with his steps could use some work. More pass protection reps, I, I think, would help Jensen's case. I don't think anybody's worried about his ability to play with leverage despite that immense size in the run game. We need more pass samples, you know, and, and oftentimes it's really the camp circuit that provides that. For the offensive linemen, especially, you know, those that are in run heavy or run first type offenses. We just don't have as much samples in that regard. So I do think that plays a part there uh, as well for Jensen. And oftentimes, if you are in the minority in the recruiting industry where you are watching the offer list and you're watching who else wants a certain prospect, those that are hyper hyper local to power five programs and commit early which all check the box in, in Jensen's case, you're hurt by that because mm-hmm. there is an expectation of, hey, well, why aren't more programs in? Why aren't more schools beating down the door for this prospect? But if there was kind of an early expectation that Wisconsin was going to be in pretty good shape and they grabbed the kid in the spring, 
that's going to minimize some of the other schools that will show interest or continue to show interest beyond the verbal commitment. And optically, that plays a part. And unfortunately, as humans, that plays a part in, in the evaluation process there uh, as well. So I do think there are some things on on both what he puts out and what's around him that he doesn't have control over that are affecting that ranking. But look, high three stars are very good players. They are multi-year starters and eventual you know, guys who have a shot to play on Sundays. And that's really all you could ask for really at any position, but especially on the offensive line, which is easily the spot where you see the most fluctuation between stars and rankings and actual, you know, all American NFL level production, because it's, it's the biggest crapshoot of any position in, in high school and college football, even the NFL teams. I mean, how many first round linemen, you know, are out of the league in four years. It happens mm -hmm. at every single level because that's the hardest position to evaluate, especially with a guy who's that big playing right tackle to where you're like, can he play left? Can he work inside if he puts on more weight? How does that look in an offense that's going to be a little bit more zone blocking heavy? How much is scheme a part of the evaluation? There's so many factors and layers when it comes to offensive linemen that kind of stunt your growth as an evaluator. And I do, I do think Jensen falls into some of those categories that aren't going to help him optically, which unfortunately do factor in down the line. Now that's really well said. Um, we're going to take a quick break to get our friends of the show. Everybody's pretty pumped about the Jensen commit, I think for good reason. We're going to talk about a couple of receivers that are coming up into Madison that have uh, interest in Wisconsin and vice versa. We're going to talk about that next on lockdown badgers, but first a quick word from our friends of the show over at bet online, the NBA playoffs are almost here. It's a perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Um, new customers, you get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app, safe, secure. It's super easy to use. And then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores to three-pointers drained. Um, you can combine all of that into single-game parlays to kind of up the excitement of it a little bit, get paid right away, do it responsibly. But again, it's a way to jazz up your NBA viewing experience. I've talked about some of the, the the bets I'm interested in. I'm on on the Suns. If you want to take a chance on something out of the East, we talked Bucks, um, but the Sixers with probably the likely MVP and Embiid, they're plus four twenty to win the East. That's not a terrible look if you're into that uh, that Sixers team with Embiid, kind of the engine behind that locomotive. So don't miss your chance to get your no sweat first bet up to one thousand dollars back in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com/slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com/slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sports betting partner of the NBA. All right, let's bring uh, John Garcia Jr. back on. Again, Locked On's football recruiting insider. Uh, a couple of receivers I wanted to touch on, John. One of them is uh, Kion Barry Johnson, a 5'10", about 165-pound receiver out of Bolingbrook, Illinois. Curious what your thoughts are watching him on film. I was surprised to see him listed at 5'10", 160 after watching the tape. I watched the tape before digging into the profiles and I was like, he is five ten. He, I thought he was six, two just watching him play uh, on Friday nights. There's, there's a lot to like here from a floor perspective. I think he is a productive route runner. Uh, I think he's got a great combination of body awareness and, and ball skills. And he tracks that thing incredibly well, the extension, the ability to go above the rim and, and, and win a, a contested ball uh, is there for him. And he's good after the catch as well. I think this is a pretty well-rounded receiver uh, who, who I thought uh, had great size <laughs> attached to his name 
there as well. So so the size doesn't bother me as much as as maybe it would otherwise if I would have started with the size and then went to the tape. Um, but I was I think he plays bigger than than he certainly is, and, and he's a playmaker. And I think that's something that obviously everybody needs on their roster. And it's one of the when we first started doing these shows like a year ago, it was like what type of players does Wisconsin need to to push the narrative and change it? It's these kind of guys. It's playmakers. It's wide receivers who just individually can make things happen, even when the the scheme or circumstance say otherwise. Uh, so I think this is a interesting recruit for Wisconsin. I know he was recently on campus and has the Badgers right at the top of this thing. So we'll see how the rest of his recruitment plays out. Who jumps in? Where does he visit? Uh, but at, at this point, you got to feel really good about the Badgers' chances, and you understand why. From Wisconsin's perspective, they're they're in on this kid because he is an absolute playmaker before and after the catch, and that's just there's not a lot of those out there. Yeah, we, when you watch film of him, the, the the same thing stuck out to me. By the way, seeing him go up in the red zone, pluck the ball over cornerbacks as a five ten guy, but also what sticks out is what you would expect from a five ten under sixty five pound guy, right? They throw the smoke screen, little receiver screens out there. Yeah. He has some real open field ability, and I want to talk a little bit about. With Wisconsin transitioning to this new Phil Longo offense where you're going to spread it out, you need to start adding pieces like this that can be a little more versatile and give you maybe weapons in the toolbox you haven't had previously. That's a great point, right? Just the slot receiver in general, uh, which was used used to be such a, you know, kind of a, a curse word in, in the industry is, is a, a huge plus nowadays. So you need these types of players, these technicians that can work open in the middle of the field. And, and more importantly, they can serve as an extension of the running game, right? Throw them a smoke screen, throw them a bubble and, and let them cook as, as the kids say, and you're moving the chains thereafter. So when, when you talk about space and tempo, these are the players that help you bridge a lot of those gaps because oftentimes it's timing based, you know, you're not, you're not going to take a seven step drop and allow four receivers to get vertical on, on first and 10. It's, it's going to be something that's a little bit more quick hitting. Uh, and these guys can get open a little bit sooner and, if they don't, they have more ability to to shake that first defender off after the catch as well. So just as much as you need your big classic 6'3 wide receiver one types on the outside, you need those slots and tight ends and really running backs too to counter that and keep a defense honest more in the middle of the field and or at the line of scrimmage itself. So, yeah, you absolutely need these types and, and you don't have to dig too hard in, into the Phil Longo uh, resume to find a lot of slot types that had a, a lot of success in this regard. Yeah, a stretch kick Kahuna coming in in the fall as well. Another guy we talked about a little bit bigger, but maybe profiles in that way. Yeah. People are excited there. Uh, I want to shift gears into a, a different type of receiver, a Marion Stewart. The Badgers have been connected there. Another Illinois receiver out of Kenwood Academy. This is a, this is a big battle, right? There's Michigan's mm-hmm. here, Oregon, Texas A&M just offered. I mean, there is a lot of people after this guy. What what do you like about his film, and then where do you see his recruitment maybe going? Yeah, Stewart's got a lot of juice. There, There is no doubt. Before and after the catch, similar uh, to, to the previous receiver, but I think to a higher degree. There's just a little bit more twitch, I think, here, just from a natural athleticism standpoint. Now, does that come with maybe less polish and some other things that are going to be developed later in, in his development? Of course. But that that raw twitch on a 6-1 frame instead of a 5-10 frame is something that a lot of schools – are going to covet. Uh, and and similarly, the ball skills really stand out on top of it. So it's not just a twitchy guy that you're going to have to teach to be a wide receiver. 
uh, this is a guy who can go grab the football um, when, when it looks like it's incomplete or out of bounds as well. Um, so I think th- this length on top of it, you know, adds to the catch radius and, and the cachet around his name, which is why he's a little bit more more coveted. Stewart is. I, I saw he's at Miami today, as you mentioned. Just visited Michigan. A lot of buzz coming in for the Wolverines, which of course always recruit that that Chicago area uh, pretty darn well, and you understand why, especially right now, they're, they're holding uh, that type of buzz for, for offensive recruits. But, but like you said, a bunch of other schools, including Wisconsin, uh, Tennessee, also in the mix here. So I, I think there's a, a bit of a ways to go in this recruitment, which is probably good news for the Badgers because I think you could creep into official visit territory with Stewart. So, so the next natural step there is – grab an official visit and stay in this race as opposed to one school kind of running away with, with it, with an early commitment. You know, he wants to be committed probably before the, the start of a senior season, which I think is a good timeline for Wisconsin. It will enable for one or more additional visits going forward. And he's already been to campus. So I think all of those are, are positive for the Badgers. But like you said, Ryan, this is a fight and it's turning into a bit of a national fight because when you turn on the tape, there's just a lot of juice from, from this type of, of recruit. And that's just not something you get at, at six one or wherever you go, you know, hunting for prospects. So Stewart's going to be a fascinating recruitment to track. And, and to your point, we talked a little bit about uh, Kyan Barry Johnson, not to typecast him into a slot role, but sure. Or you can kind of, you feel like you could put him in a lot of spots with that athleticism, that size and that catch radius, and he's going to be successful. Absolutely. You could see him grabbing a jet sweep, a bubble screen or a nine route down the field as, as consistently as, as anybody else. Uh, he, he blends, he blends uh, depending on what you need on, on a given down, I would say. So as he polishes up from a technical standpoint, uh, I do think he's only going to maximize that versatility to where you don't know where he's going to line up on a given play. So it's just a different type of weapon uh, that, that would be at Wisconsin or anybody else's disposal, you know, at the next level, because he can do so many things. Yeah. I think he's got enough Twitch where you can, and instincts where you just hand him the ball, just hand him the ball and, and, and let him, let him go from there. But uh, there's a lot of, a lot of intriguing factors around uh, Stewart's game. And, and that's why the recruitment has, has sort of bubbled up at the same time. Coming up, we're going to talk about one of my favorite in-state prospects that maybe the Badgers are slow playing a little bit. We're going to talk about that next on Lockdown Badgers with John Garcia. All right, welcome back to the show. We're going to bring John Garcia Jr. back on. John, I, I had a show a couple days ago, I, and I said this guy might be, outside of maybe Donovan Harbor, the, mm-hmm. the super blue chip interior offensive line prospect out of Catholic Memorial in Wisconsin. This guy might be my favorite offensive line prospect in this class. And it's no disrespect to Roy, uh, to Jensen, who just committed both really good prospects. But Garrett Sexton, uh, 6'7", 250 out of Arrowhead, uh, he needs to put on weight. But when you watch the film, when you watch the way he moves, you see the 80, I think it's 85-inch wingspan, which is, I mean, darn near NFL measurable (laughs) right there already. What do you see on his film with with, uh, Sexton? There, there are movement skills, but then some recruits have easy movement skills, right? And I think that's where Sexton falls in, in that conversation. And again, you talk about the modern asks of the position relative to certain schemes. This is closer to what teams are wanting on the recruiting trail. Maybe not 250, but if you're in that 270 range, they're just as likely to prioritize you as you are at, at 315 you know, in yesteryear where you're in an I formation. So I do think that there's there's a lot to like in that regard. The athleticism just screams 
on tape and and don't even watch the basketball tape if you want to you know enjoy the athleticism this guy's got three four blocks a game it seems like in in, in a double double style uh, on the hardwood but yeah you understand why he's trim and basketball look basketball is a part of that so i don't put as much i guess worry into it because not only are you going to eliminate basketball at the next level you still got another year you know before a guy like Sexton is going to invade your your roster. So I think that's part of the reason why, even though Wisconsin is being very, I'll say, careful in how they recruit him, other schools haven't been. He's got 20 offers. You know, it's not like, you know, this is a, a kid looking for his first Power 5 offer. He's got 20 scholarship offers. Notre Dame, Penn State, a bunch mm-hmm. of schools have, have jumped in here. It's just a matter of everyone's, I'm sure, curious, what about the in-state school? But what we talked about at the top of the show, not only is the state relatively loaded, but it's it's loaded up front for the Badgers. We mentioned Harbor, always going to be a priority in this class. Jensen just committed. It's starting to fill up. And obviously you're recruiting out of state there as well. So you just wonder how Wisconsin is treating that, which is why I think it's a good thing that they haven't just thrown out an offer just because everyone else has. Because when you, if something happens and you don't take a kid like that, it could have bigger ramifications down the line. So you have to be careful clo- the closer to home you are with certain prospects. So I understand uh, how Wisconsin is approaching this thing. And I think it's also a good time to remind folks, hey, we're recording this on April 5th. You know, there's there's still eight months to go in the bulk of the cycle, 10 months if you go to the February National Signing Day. Uh, and these kids can't yet work out in front of the coaches just yet. So there's a very real possibility that Wisconsin is scouting Sexton like we are from afar, right? So I do think once you get into the spring evaluation period and certainly the summer camp circuit, especially with him being in state, you know he's going to get back up to Madison and and maybe work out for that coaching staff. And I do think that could potentially change things in his recruitment. But I think what's interesting here is that there's a lot of other heavy hitters on this list right now Mm -hmm. that are probably saying, hey, we already see enough. So, so come jump in. So this will be an interesting political sort of decision-making process from the Badgers. But we know they love Sexton's athleticism and that length and wingspan just as much as we're talking about, it, if not more. They've communicated that to him. He was on campus in March. So they're doing sort of the daily due diligence here. They just haven't jumped all the way in with an offer itself. But oftentimes there's an awareness both on both sides uh, when this situation pops up. Uh, it happens across the country where you wonder what what is this school doing with this kid right in their backyard but but it's it's really early to have some of those conversations so it it'll be interesting the only one who could really throw a wrench into it would be Sexton if he jumped in a, another boat in the spring as opposed to awaiting some of these sort of milestone moments that are naturally upcoming in the summer but look if if you look at his tape the athleticism, the movement skills just jump off the tape. There's some grit there. He's not just mm-hmm. kind of this Kevin Durant-looking guy who can't bench 185. There, there's, a, there's some physicality. There's some strength there uh, on top of it uh, as well with, with Sexton's game. So I, I think there's a lot of technical and physical upside for him to be added to his game here going forward. But uh, you like the floor, and, and you can't teach that wingspan and athleticism combination, of course. And that's where I think I was most intrigued with with Sexton is if he asterisks, right? We don't know, but if he can put on the 60 pounds, he looks like a an NFL draft prospect. Like his upside, I think, is pretty immense with the way he can move. And quite frankly, he buries people on film too. So he has that tenacity we look for, albeit from a slightly smaller player. When you when you look at Jensen and Sexton and put them together, like is is there 
I'm, obviously, the size is the, the big differentiator there, but is there something else maybe with Jensen's game that you're looking at that Sexton isn't quite there yet, or is it just the size component for you? I mean, look, they're both in that six 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 seven range. I, I do think Jensen, particularly in the run game, does a bit of a better job from a leverage standpoint. Uh, and look, he's got more weight to help him get to that anchor point uh, at the point of contact as well. So I do think that probably helps him. Um, and, and I do think he's while he needs to improve his footwork, he is a little bit more efficient from a steps perspective than Sexton at this point. But those are technical things. Those are coaching points that any coaching staff is is selling both the kids on, hey, don't worry about it. We'll, we'll go ahead and, and correct that. So when you look at those things and the weight on top of it, it's just easier from a floor standpoint to project Jensen into a class, especially considering he's already playing right tackle. You could probably move him inside, especially if you do put even more pounds on, on that six foot six or six foot seven frame. So I just think there's a little bit more uh, floor there from the Jensen perspective, but ceiling wise, you could make the argument for Sexton a hundred percent because of that fluidity and movement skills. You look at the NFL draft, a lot of these guys going in the first round coming out of high school were well, under 300 pounds. I'm not talking 295. I'm talking 265. So I do think that trend pushes you down the road to bet on a guy like Sexton just a little bit more because you can almost, it's almost like we used to talk about with tight end. You could almost mold an offensive tackle, especially in this day and age of, of zone blocking and schemes that are a little bit simpler than yesteryear where you're having to call out your your, your coverages and protections and, and have more knowledge play by play. This is more scheme by scheme, formation by formation, with a lot of checks at the line itself as opposed to pre-snap stuff. So I do think there's there's just a quicker path to that mm-hmm. long, raw athlete at any position in today's college football than it, it used to be. Now, that's really well said. He is John Garcia Jr., Lockdown's Recruiting Insider. As always, we are smarter because you were here, John. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, Ryan. Uh, We'll talk again tomorrow, everybody. Thank you for making this one of your first listens on Wisconsin, and let's go.